Jr. with Pastor Troy, and we're on the dock right here every Tuesday and Thursday on the dock.org. We want you to find us there. We have releases, again, every Tuesday and Thursday. Just go to onthedoc.org. You can find us, find out all the details about that. We're a show that's all about helping you develop your faith and get off those chairs. We want to have good conversation, but we want to propel you out of the harbor and get you out into the deep. So we're going to do that by encouraging and developing you today. We've got a great message for you today. Great great conversation to start with you today, and it's, it's going to be great. So you can find us on YouTube and Spotify and iTunes, primary platforms for us. Go to those places, get connected, get noticed notified, get, get where you know when we're dropping stuff. And also we've got backup platforms for you at Google Play, Facebook, Roku, and Rumble and SermonNet. Roku, download the SermonNet app and you can find us that way on the Doc with Pastor Troy channel. And we got social media presence on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, and Getter. So we'd love for you to just share us your conversation. You can be critical about what we're doing, but always be nice as you're critical. Uh, we don't do anything hateful or, or that, but we, we'd love to have your conversation, have that dialogue with you. And you can please hit again, subscribe, like, notify, some something floating in my face here, notify, uh, comments, uh, just, just, Put that out to your friends and share it and become a regular with us. We'd love to have you. And go to our Patreon site, My Patreon. Download that app. We have a partnership plan and a sponsorship plan. Go check that out so you can be a partner or a sponsor of On The Dock. We've got different levels for you to see. Go check that out, and we'd love to talk to you. Again, onthedock.org. Go to there for all the links and all the connections, and email us if you've got any questions at info at onthedock.org. We're in the studio right now. We're in a special session. I've got across the table from me, Donna Kanuski. Donna, how are you doing? All right. We're supposed to have in the seat to the right of me, Mother Beth, but Mother Beth's on a lunch run for us. And uh, Mother Beth is is on a run to get, we promised in the last episode that we wanted to have some donuts. And so she went to Krispy Kreme and Jimmy John's. Mm. She's getting all of our lunch wow. orders. So at some point in time, Mother Beth will make her way in here and she'll sit down at the seat and we'll greet her. But Mother Beth's on the way. Got Lucas over there on, on camera and microphone today. Yep. Lucas Winkler, our techno yeah. wizard, executive producer. I'm here. And uh, we're glad to have him. Uh, executive director and we're glad to have him in the seat today as well and so we're ready to go we are in a series we've been doing and i like to call that series our micah live humbly series it's an on the dock season two digging deeper in the word series we're doing colossians this year we're doing the series on micah we're going to probably do a, a psalms volume two project to go with, with our volume one and we may have some other special uh digging deeper in the word series in addition to all our interviews and guests our goal is to have you talk to people that rich your faith but also spend time sometimes in the word having conversation about it and and lets you get deeper in the word itself. It'll guide you as well. Nothing better than letting Micah the prophet uh, mentor you along. He can help us a lot, I think, don't you think? All right, we're ready to go. We're in number seven. We got an eight-part series here. We're going to do number seven today, and then we'll wrap it up in part eight. It'll be great today. Micah chapter seven, verse one through 20 is our focus. So we're focusing there, right there. Just a reminder, uh, uh, Micah is a prophet for the Minor Testament. Uh, my minor, minor prophet from the Old Testament. <laughs> I got that all backwards. And, uh, and Micah's a, a minor prophet from the Old Testament. Get that there right. There you go. There you go. Thank you. And uh, he is he's speaking to both the split nation of Israel, which is now... Judah and ben, uh, Judah and the tribe of Benjamin are one. The, 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 the tribe of Judah and Benjamin are one kingdom, and the other ten tribes are the nation of Israel. Israel's capital is in Samaria at this point in time. The capital of Jer Judah is in Jerusalem, of course. It's split after Solomon dies, and his sons split it up, and so there, it's a split kingdom for a long time. 
uh, Israel went farther off the lamb. They got worse and evil. They intermarried with the Canaanites and all the different bad cultures. They did the wrong things the worst fastest, okay? And so they get taken out by the Assyrians because God sends the Assyrians to be his justice makers and to reset the hard drive of Israel. And then he, uh, about 100 plus years later, he sends in the Babylonians who took over the Assyrians to take out now Judah and Jerusalem and to reset the hard drive there. And of course, you know, in the Bible, we got the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel. That's all about the time when they were taken by the Babylonians into captivity, originally uh, taken into captivity. And, and basically Jerusalem was destroyed. Uh, the temple was destroyed. And basically while they were in captivity, we have a whole different narrative that occurs there. Eventually in the, in the, in the time of the Persian rule, the Assyrians fall to the Babylonians. The Babylonians are destroyed by the Persians, and King Cyrus of Persia comes along, and he doesn't really have a big problem with the Jews. He, his problem is he hated the Babylonians, and so he he saw them as favorable. Daniel was favorable. Uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, the priests, and he said, "Hey, if you Jews want to go back and rebuild your temple, matter of fact, I'll give you the cups and stuff from the temple. Go do it." You know, and we got. And what's funny about it? That was prophesied. Cyrus was prophesied by name hundreds of years before that, that he would be the king God would let free the people. So they basically had done their sentence and then they come back and they rebuild. So Micah takes place before those falls and prophesies that God, if people don't change, God is gonna hold them accountable. And no, no, and actually God is saying, they're probably not gonna change because he tells them what's gonna happen, who's gonna do it. But he's saying at least those that are remnant and those that are faithful, he'll protect. He'll set aside and he's going to use them to be his seeds to replant the nation of Israel. And so you basically see, I, we were just having a conversation off air. You see, basically, I hate to say this, a sifting and a purging. Hmm. <laughs> that, that just ministered to me on my, on my own. So I got to stop and be happy for a minute. This, you know, um, sometimes God does things that we hate. You lose people you love and, and uh, you, we, got, we, we all forget that the tribes were family. Mm. I know they're a big nation, lots of people, but they all go back to 12 yeah, brothers. They do. Everybody's family. And so what was destroyed and what was put into slavery and what was killed was family. Mm -hmm. And what came back were family that were faithful to God. What died were family. And I'm sure in the process, there were good people that were lost in the story. There's always good people. Just like today, we would have people, there's Mother Beth, she's coming in. We're Beth, we're broadcasting, but we knew that you'd gone on a mission to get Krispy Kremes. Do you have Krispy Kremes? I do not. You, <gasps> what? Because of the fire, are they still closed? They are still closed. And you brought... Well, they were closed. This is an on-the-dock alert. We have an emergency. An emergency alert? Maybe Chris, you need to put up the bumper. <laughs> we need the bumper. Yeah, yeah, yeah the bump, we, have an emerg, we have an emergency bumper. So Krispy Kremes is still down because of their fire? You got oh, don't you got donuts? But though. she does have okay. Well, that was a crisis averted. That's a that's my woman. I mean, she was, <laughs> was defeated a, by that was a false alarm. Uh, <laughs> Walmart has donuts, people. Walmart has everything. Now, and the question is, did it burn Jimmy John's down too? I didn't know they had a fire. No, Jimmy John's was slain. Jimmy, did you get Jimmy John's? Guys, we're, between episodes, we're going to have Jimmy John's and, and donuts. And they, they didn't pay Everyone for, hungry now. And they didn't Jimmy pay. John's, please sponsor us. Yeah, you didn't sponsor us. <laughs> you're getting a freebie today. But if you want, we'll talk more about you next time. So. But if you want to become on the doc sponsor, go to our, our Patreon site. We'd love to have you. So I was just summarizing the fact that that these were all family, mm -hmm. uh, Donna, mm -hmm. that were, Lucas, they were family that died. And good, you know, just like we know that people go out and drive drunk and they kill good people. Yeah. 
good people are lost in these battles. The thing is, God knows who the good were and who weren't. And I trust God's justice. In the end, they'll see the resurrection day. You know, they're going to be people that receive Christ. When Christ went down and preached in, in hell, they will be people that responded to the gospel, I'm sure. And we're going to find out God's going to be fair and God's going to be just because that's who God is. But there are people that are remnant that are saved, their family too. So, so we, we have to remember that, that Micah foresees a horrible thing coming, but it, it, it promises a blessing to those that are faithful. So, and, and Micah comes in what we want to call three cycles. I'm just giving a little bit of a summary here. And, and the first cycle is, is just says, you guys are a mess. God, God says, I'm going to wipe this out. And, and there's going to be a few of you saved that are faithful. Then he comes back and says, I'm going to wipe this out. And I specifically want to call the leaders to accountability. That's cycle two. And then he says in a longer two chapters, he says, those of you that were misled, I'm going to offer you hope and leadership. Follow me and I'll get you out of this. We know that not everybody follows that. Not many follow it, but some do. We're in the third cycle right now. We already started that. If you go to part six, we, we, we have another charge where God closes the arguments in the third argument. It's like a trial almost. He gives us closing remarks and he basically says, you know, this is going to happen. Just you're going to have to, those of you understand God is just and true and he's going to bring this to accountability and Jerusalem's going to fall, you know, but there's hope. And so today we're kind of in part of that hope process. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that in chapter seven. He's going to talk a little bit more about Israel's sin in verse one through six. And then in verses seven through 20, he's going to remind us all that those that wait upon the Lord will be renewed. So I, if you're out there, just be ready. Listen to first, first six verses I'm going to read here. But know when we get to that back 7 through 20, God is telling us about his compassion and his plan. And the reason he gives us Micah is he doesn't want everyone to be lost. He wants there to be a second, a first and a second and third chance here. And he's not the only prophet that does that. We know that Jeremiah does this. We know that other prophets prophesy such. But this one is a good one because we live in a time today where people kind of have done the same thing. They fuse themselves up to other brands and other things. And we've kind of lost the heart of the Lord. And when you lose the heart of the Lord or, or you compromise the heart of the Lord, the Lord will not work with you compromised. He'll work with you repentant from compromise, but he won't work with you compromised. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, and so he's basically saying all of you are compromised, but some of you that repent and will stay faithful, I'll be with. So let's take a look at Micah chapter seven. Beth, you're welcome to jump in the seat anytime you want to. You, you know, we miss you. Yeah. Uh, Micah chapter seven, verses one through 20. I'm going to be reading from the New Living. I'm going to read it all so we have a little context today to talk us out and then we'll power, we'll power through. There's a lot of reading here. So here we go. How miserable... I am, I feel like the fruit picker after the harvest who can find nothing to eat, not a cluster of grapes, not a single early fig can be found to satisfy my hunger. Look at this. He's basically saying there's, there's nothing godly left. There's no, there's no fruit. Verse two, the godly people have all disappeared. He just flat says it. Not one honest person is left on the earth. They are all murderers, setting traps, even for their own brothers. That's horrendous. Gosh, I feel like at times that could be us today. Both their hands are equally skilled at doing evil. Officials and judges alike demand bribes. People with influence can get what they want. Even today, even and together, I'm sorry, and together they scheme to twist justice. Even the best of them is like a briar. The most honest is, a, is as dangerous as a hedge of thorns. But your judgment, this is God, he's speaking, your judgment is coming swiftly now. Your time of punishment is here. A time of confusion. Don't trust anyone. Boy, that's tough. 
not your best friend or even your wife. Sorry about that, hun. Don't trust anyone, not even your best friend or even your wife. For the son despises his father, the daughter defies her mother, and the daughter-in-law defies her mother-in-law. Your enemies are right in your own household. Remember, I told you, they're all family. Everybody in Israel's family. As for me, I look to the Lord. This is the hope now. This is the positive side. As for me, I look to the Lord for, for help. It, yes, it's bad. Yes, family attacks family, but I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me, and my God... I love this, will certainly hear me. Folks, I just want to stop and give glory to God. No matter what you're in, what you're dealing with, what situation you're in, how bad society looks, if you will plant your feet on the ground, he will make a way through for you. Isn't that, isn't that a good word? Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll make a way where there seems to be uh, no way. I love that. So I mean, the part about family there, I've always assumed means like your family that like, your sons and daughters. Your yes, it could. It yeah, it could be that. Could be distant yeah. family. But remember, when can he's it, writing this, they're all family. Can it all be also be referring to your your church family, your Christian family? Well, your, in their in their faith, everybody was tribal, unless they were foreigners married in. In our faith here, we understand being born again makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. And the Bible says many, even the New Testament, Christians will fall away. And he says, if I don't hurry, the end times more, all would be lost. So it implies that we will lose quality Christian brothers and sisters will free will. I know there's people out there that say, once you're saved, you're always saved. I know some of them say that if you were to fall away, it means you weren't really ever saved. In general, I agree with that in general, but I don't ever believe your salvation means you gave up free will. And so that would mean that you could make a deliberate decision to, to reject what the Bible says, to reject what God tells you to do, and you could end up walking on the dark side and have been saved. So I think both are right to some extent. It depends on the quality of your character. But if your character, say something happened tragically and you rejected God, you can free will reject God. You know, you may have truly been saved and decided you just don't want to be a part of that. Or you've decided that that your own pride is greater than, than your own old humility was. And you can, if you have the new man in Christ, it never says the old man's dead. It says the old man's still there. You can decide the old man's coming back. And, and all of a sudden you're not following Matthew 18. I'm very aware of how I've been a pastor 32 years, how when people are are irritated, they, if they would follow biblical mandate, they can solve problems, but nobody that has a problem in the church that really is functioning as a non believer at that time, they never use it. I, I'm just telling you, rare, 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 rare do they use it. Do they actually come and, and go through the process? Or if you if you hold them to accountability, they get angry because the whole thing is about, it's pride. Pride comes in there. Yeah. And, and, and I think the fence can be down and it can come back up. I don't think it's easy. I think it's up to each one of us, but it's very clear here, Beth. This could, I think you're right. I think this could be Christian family that as things get tough, the pressure causes the cream to rise and people make decisions that I'm not comfortable under that level of persecution. I had a brother uh, wrote me a real good piece. We're we're, we're really concerned here in Southern Illinois and we'll talk maybe more about this in one of the podcasts down the road, but we're we're really fearful that we're fixing to get an abortion clinic here. Uh, Memphis Reproductive Rights Clinic, I'm ashamed, I'm from Memphis. I don't want anything like that name Memphis here, but they're, they're looking at putting an abortion clinic in right next to the high school in Carbondale. And, and people here, the bulk of people don't want it, but yet the politicians here are a little bit different. And we've got churches that are supportive of 
that right to do that. And I have, I have a brother that wrote me, he's online, he's one of our best online people, it's Jeff. And uh, I got Jeff's permission to use his name in this process because I can give him credit. He wrote me last night to share with me early church fathers' views on abortion. I, I, I'm pretty good on early church fathers. I, I got a doctorate in that area, kind of, but I've never focused in on what they said about the unborn and abortion. There's very direct stuff shared on that. I mean, I mean direct stuff by Tertullian and, and other great leaders in those first 200 years. It's very clear, very, very clear that it's, it's, it's not of the Lord and it's not a case. And, and so, you know, putting that out there can be controversial. And, and when you put that out there, people go, well, I don't think I can support the pastor anymore. I don't think I can support the church anymore. The, the problem is it, it's a biblical mandate that life belongs to God. The blood belongs to God. And that, you know, and, and, and people can get mad over that and decide that they're no longer going to practice their Christian faith biblically. They're going to choose their way and what they think's better, my choice over God's choice. And, you know, when God creates life, it's God's choice. And when we end life, it's our choice. We have to decide whether we're going to live by God's choice or his choice. And people will get mad at you. They'll get mad at the pastor. They want to boycott the church. They want to take us down. And, and they'll be mad at you. And they're like, I'm just following what God says. And you'll have people really that will split up their families over that decision. And that's just one, one issue. Mm-hmm. That's one small issue. And there's a bailiwick of other things. And just imagine how quickly you could get twisted apart as a church family. And all of it stems from getting off the rock of God. And, and let me get back to reading the text. I know we got, got trapped in this, but that's, that's a good, good word, man. All right, here we go. Let me go back to what I, and God will certainly hear me. As for me, I look to the Lord, verse seven, for help, and I wait confidently for God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. Guys, we have a promise that he's gonna help us with this. I didn't say it'd be easy. Do not gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. Well, some of them laugh at what they do to us. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I will be patient as the Lord punishes me, for I have sinned against him. Guys, we have let a lot of this happen ourselves, okay? All right, because we've not wanted to offend our brother or whatever. But after that, he will take up my case and give me justice for all I have suffered from enemies. The Lord will bring me into the light and I will see his righteousness. Then my enemies will see that the Lord is on my side. They will be ashamed that they taunted me saying, so where is the Lord, that God of yours? There'll be a day, guys, when we stand before the Lord, that he'll make clear what was holy and what wasn't. There'll be a day when 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 God will, will, will justify our positions, that those of us that stand on the thing of the Lord. Maybe we lose in a moment. Maybe we lose in the conversation on social media. Maybe we lose in election or this or that. But we will not lose in the greater and more important scheme of things. And that's in God's final judgment. With my own eyes, I, I will see their downfall. They will be trampled like mud in the streets. In other words, they, we may be losing now, but he promises there'll be a turnaround. Verse 11, in that day, Israel, your cities will be rebuilt. A promise of restoration, I love that. And your borders will be extended. Verse 12, people from many lands will come and honor you from Assyria all the way to the towns of Egypt, from Egypt all the way to the Euphrates rivers, and from distant seas and mountains. That would mean even us in America. But the land will become empty and desolate because of the wickedness of those who live there. O Lord, protect your people with your shepherd's staff. Lead your flock, your special possession. Those with the special covenant, those guys, that's the people with the special word, the special promise, have committed themselves to obey God's word, not their own opinion, okay? The special possession. Though they live alone in the thicket, 
on the heights of Mount Carmel, let them gaze in the uh, graze in the fertile pastures of Bashan and Gilead as they did long ago. Yes, says the Lord, I will do mighty miracles for you like those I did when I rescued you from slavery in Egypt. God's promising we will see some great miracles someday again. That's great. All the nations, verse 16, of the world will stand amazed at what the Lord will do for you. They will be embarrassed, they will be embarrassed at their feeble power. Praise God. They will cover their mouths in silent awe, deaf to everything around them. Praise God. Like snakes crawling from their holes, they will come out to meet the Lord our God. They will fear him greatly, trembling in terror at his presence. This is the final day. This is a day when there'll be atonement and judgment. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant? Be faithful. Be the remnant. You will get clear to this. You, God sees your faithfulness. Where is there? Verse 18, another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people. You will not stay angry with your people forever, but because you delight in showing unfailing love, once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet. He's gonna get authority over those things. And look at this, and throw them into the depths of the ocean. Finally, verse 20, you will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as long as you promised to our ancestors, Abraham and Jacob long ago. We are connected, guys to a promise that as long as we stay connected will not ever fail us. Isn't that great? It's a powerful text. Do you guys like mm-hmm. chapter chapter seven's rich? Mm-hmm. I mean, it tells you those first six verses tells you uh, God has had enough of this. There'll be no fruit in this. If you go back and read six, there'll be no grapes. There'll be no thing to satisfy hunger. We are right now a society where nothing's satisfiable. Beth and I shared an article with Beth yesterday that I don't know if I can find it real quick, but it was an article that they they were proud to announce. Okay, this is a new announcement. We're proud to announce that there is now a new added sexuality to the list of things you could be. Brand new. You guys ready for this? A brand new added sexuality to the list of things you could be. And here it is. It is obectum sexual. You can be male, female, trans, this, 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 this. There's like 22 things, but now there's 23 for, 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 for this month, which is Gay Pride Month. They have announced a new sexuality just in time for the Pride Month, brand new. Indeed, Sarah Roto of Germany refers to the Boeing 737 as her boyfriend and wants to marry a toy replica of the Boeing 737. My plane is called, I'm not going to name the plane because it's not a good name. Um, told She told the son, I love everything about him. This is her plane. How does she know her plane's a man? But particularly his face, wings, and engine, they're sexy to me. Some people don't understand my love, but my friends took me took my coming out very well and encouraged me. Sarah flies on a Boeing 737 as much as she can and has 50 replica models in her, in, in her, in her place. She has said, she said she's had past relationships with men, but didn't find that fulfilling. So now she is having her relationship with a plane. She's obectum sexual. I'm going to pray for Sarah, yeah. I think. Or have later. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, pray for Sarah. I mean, I mean, I mean, she needs our prayer. She needs, she needs Jesus. I mean, she needs help. I mean, this is a cry. When I went through school, seminary, I got a master's of divinity from Emory and a doctor from Southern Methodist. When I get your master's of divinity, you spend a third of your time in sociology and psychology. You spend a third of it on church history and, and that, and the other third on administration type stuff like that. But I've got a full master's degree. There's a, a divinity is a triple master's. I got a full master's degree in psychology, sociology, and personality. I don't practice that way. I don't, don't work as a psychologist, but I've certainly been a pastor for 30 years. 
in the past, when we were taught about people like this, these are people that need help. They need counseling. They need treatment. They need to work through this. They need to find out what happened to them, how you can go back and fix that bridge and get them back in a healthy relationship model with, with God and with each other. Something's broken here. But in this society, we just create a new sexuality and go, you're now special, and we're gonna actually lift that up, and we wanna, we wanna, we wanna encourage you to go deeper and deeper, you know? I mean, we're in a society that is in a scary mode right now, where every man does what's right in his own eyes and does not think about God at all. So, I mean, we're there. I mean, Mike is talking about then, but I can show you examples right now where we feel like we're just rejecting. God said he created them two sexes, male and female. Mm -hmm. If there were 23, he would have listed them. I mean, God is all knowing, remember? And, and as far as I can tell, this person has either two X's or an X and a Y. I understand out there, there can be people that have deficiencies or an extra Y, but we call that an anomaly. There are anomalies. I mean, we do things in society that cause anomalies. That doesn't make it normal, and it doesn't make the person evil. My, my sister-in-law, best sister was Down syndrome. That's a different, that's a genetic effect. She was precious and special, but it wasn't normal. Did, did, did we try to help her have a normal life? Yes. And she lived as normal as she could given her capacity. But we don't celebrate that we want everybody to, to experience Down syndrome, but we stand with people that have to go through that struggle with it. And, and we're in a society now where we wanna create a special trophy or a special class for everything. And, and that's where they were in that time. Everything seemed right in their own eyes and they did it. They, they, they fused everything out there. And so the society was really, really a mess. Any thoughts about this guys as we, you, you have Israel sins great. God is saying there is nothing fruitful in it. And then he says, hey, if you'll wait on me, God is gonna do something amazing. Any thoughts on that? Can you see how there's issues today as much as there were then almost? Oh gosh. Oh. Yeah, and, and I mean, you, you can relate it to the issues and everything that are going on, and 100% that's true, but I think relating it to just a, like like what a, what a current Christian is going through, right? It's like you already are a Christian, right? Right. Um, I think for me was, I, I used to not ever go to God with like, decisions just like with with normal decisions just and basic just basic stuff right? yeah, yeah but like stuff that like it, it is kind of a big deal in my life right and and I, I think that's just i just want to encourage people that like what this is saying is like you just need to be consistently having him in all of your decisions right absolutely and and, and, and actually and, talking to him about it yeah exactly and if you're yeah. in the word every day the word itself will calibrate your decisions mm -hmm. it'll help you it, it'll help you see the rock or you'll have the wealth of knowledge of the word that will will refine that for you. He's a refiner's fire. Yeah. He, yeah, he can take exactly. your stuff, mm -hmm. he'll sort it out. The question is you gotta let go of it. You gotta let him have it and let him look at it and be willing to just say, okay, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah, ex exactly, exactly. Because I've, I've been trying to do my own plan, right? It's like everybody has their own plans, right? God, yeah. does, God doesn't care about your, your, your plans. He cares he, about his plan. He doesn't because because <laughs> if you follow his plan, his plan will always be your best plan. Yeah, that's another thing. I was listening to a podcast the other day and the well, it was a pastor or something. And she said, she was like, yeah, God's God's plan is actually better than yours and bigger than yours. Yes. <laughs> that's, that, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, just, I just love, I mean, I mean, when you look at verse one and two, I mean, there's just this whole verse one and two that I put up on the screen. There's just the godly people have all disappeared. I mean, it, I mean, that was in that time. And now we're in a time now where, I mean, we are struggling. I mean, we are struggling to see this. And, and 
And what's what's crazy about it is you've got church against church on some of these issues that are clearly God 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 based issues. You don't even have to restudy hard whether God wants you know male and female relationships are His primary point. You just can read Genesis and see that. Okay, you you don't have to go into. I mean, some people say, well, it doesn't say in the New Testament. It does too. It's it's all through there. You know, nowhere did Jesus set us free to just do as we please. These are not fine points in Levitical law. Right now, <laughs> no nobody like the pro life issue. Nobody's. That's could, a good way to put it. That's, yeah. that's the early good. church fathers weren't. It, it said you couldn't drink potions. You couldn't drink concoctions. If you were trying to end the life of an unborn child, it was as, as if you killed a born one. The unborn was an extension because the blood of him is in the life of the child, whether it's born or unborn. And so, so if you try to say, well, the choice of the mother, the choice of the mother ends when there's a life involved. Yeah. You know, you know, it, it, and it sound, it is unfair in some circumstances, but, but life sometimes is filled with unfairness. Mm -hmm. It's unfair that Joseph got carried away for 20 years. It's unfair that Jesus had to bear our sins. It's unfair that things happen to certain people, but but we gotta trust God to get us through those processes. And just because something bad happened to you, doesn't mean the blessing of what comes through it couldn't either bless you or somebody else. That life may be, I mean, I just, I just sit and wonder sometimes, how many lives have we gotten rid of that could have cured this COVID, that could have, could have solved this cancer, that cancer. What what have we lost because we didn't honor God's word? What what have we lost from the brain trust? I, I heard one of the arguments the other day that that because of the mortality rate of African American women, they needed the abortion clinic here because they need to be able to abort children more to protect their lives. And I'm thinking, okay, so you're not getting good enough medical care. Let's get better medical care. Right. We don't have to abort the child to get better medical care. The, you're saying the problem is they're not getting prenatal care. Well, to get better prenatal care. And they said, well, we need more doctors that are African-American like us. Well, how is it going to help aborting black children to get more doctors like you? You're getting rid of your own source. And so what I want to say is, right, I saw the statistics. Let me use this as an example. New York statistics last year showed there were more African-American abortions, New York City, than births. More abortions than births, which means, and that's been going on for a while. That would mean the voting population of New York for Africans has been suppressed by abortion. That would mean the economic development of blacks in New York has been suppressed by abortion. That would mean the number of teachers that could be black or doctors that could be black in New York is suppressed by abortion. Because if you had to continue to have the full growth rate, African-Americans might not be a minority in New York. They might be the majority of New York. Which means Margaret Sanger's and Margaret Sanger, Hers. the founder of Planned Parenthood, her, her own words said what? Go ahead. Shh, I don't know. I don't well, she was trying to exterminate, exterminate or keep down race. the black race so they could stay so, subservient and in its place. So it's working. It's, it's she, working. Her plan has been successful. And what's what's interesting is I watched in the, if you go to the city council of Carbondale, May 24th meeting, go listen to those 53 minutes of council. You hear people suggest that, that we need... African-American women promoting abortion, but demanding that they get more doctors like them. And they're, 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 the two issues aren't related, first of all. But secondly, it's incoherent. That's the devil. That's how you know the enemy's in something. When, when, when the school tells you, when, when, the, when the place in the mall tells you, you need to sign a, a release form to get your child's ears pierced, but 
you don't need to sign a form for them to take your child for an abortion. Now, you ladies around the table, which would be a higher risk procedure? Getting a hole put in your ear or getting something that could take away your viability of your womb for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. And which one of those really probably needs parental consent more than the other would be the one that's invasive and they could cause a young girl, young woman to not ever be able to have a child of her own again. Because mm -hmm. those are risks to that. And, and, and you've got schools that will take your children to get those things done without the parent's knowledge or consent, yet they want a consent form to get your ear pierced. That's how you know the devil's in something. That's how you, when the, when the devil does stuff, it doesn't make sense because it's not based on truth. It's based on fear. It's based on perversion and going against God's, God's will. You can just look at things like that through the, through the edge. So I mean, when you see no fruit in something, you, it should make a lot of sense. In verse three or four, it says, even the best of them is like a briar. The most honest is as dangerous as a hedge thorn. Man, look at this. It is just bad. But your judgment day is coming swiftly. There will be, guys, in all these cases, there will be, recon there'll be a time of, of, of retribution and a time of justice. But uh, sometimes it's just hard to watch what's going on, you know? Yeah. It's hard to watch. Praise God, verse seven comes. Because we get, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently uh, for the Lord. The Lord's coming. And God's going to hear us. He's going to hear the cry of the innocent. He's going to hear the cry of those that are unjustly handled. And that's not just people that are abused or, or this or that. that. That's the unborn as well. That's that, that's all these issues. God looks out for those, that or, widows, orphans, children, those that can't care for themselves, those that are being oppressed. God hears those things. And uh, he's going to bring, to Christians that are being oppressed, he's going to do that. And what is his promise? Look at this. <laughs> Micah 5.2, Bethlehem. We're going to get Jesus. He promises a redeemer, somebody that when we give our heart to will level the field. Jesus should level our hearts. I mean, I mean, we, we, when, when you hear the woman talk about the mortality rate of African American women being seven, six to seven times that of white, white American women, my heart breaks. Every Christian should go, that's horrendous. We should do everything we can to get those where they're nothing for either side. And we, it, it, to me, that's a, a national healthcare crisis, that that's a crisis. If that many women are dying, that's a crisis. We should be, we should be putting money into that and solving that issue and working to find that. Every Christian should hear that. Be, but every Christian should also hear the fact that we're ending innocent life and go, we got to stop that too. You can do both and of those things. And, and we don't have to be against our brother and sister. We just have to look to God and say, God, if it's unjust, show us how to bring justice. And, and he says, Jesus will be the one that does that. What would Jesus do in these things? I mean, what would he do? I mean, it's just unbelievable. And so Micah says, I love this. I look to the Lord for help. What would Jesus do? What would God have us do? I wait confidently for God to save me. Have confidence that God will be there to save the day. I just think that that's a really good text. I guess a good question I want to ask you ladies, just and, and, and Lucas, you too, you jump in here, um, would be, I guess this would be is, do you believe his promises and are you one of the faithful? As our listeners are out there, you've got to ask you, do I believe what he tells me to do, what to be obedient to, what to, how to live out? Do I believe that if I do that, that God's got the best for me? Do I believe his promises and are we going to be faithful to that? You've got to ask that question, answer that question. And that determines to me whether you'll be in the lost group or the remnant group in the restoration group or in the group that's actually devastated. I mean, and maybe it doesn't look like that right now, but God's going to redeem and restore those that believe in his promises and those that are faithful. And you have to ask yourself, are you being faithful?
If you're not being faithful, the correction is to repent and, and get back on the right track. God is merciful as well. So, I mean, I, th I think that's a big question we have to ask ourselves. And, and it requires some self-evaluation of whether you're willing to sacrifice, humble yourself, and exalt God in your life. So, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing here you have to decide. I mean, there's, I mean, it, it just comes down to that. You and I, if, bottom line, we are supposed to be an Easter people. A people that believes in resurrection, a people that believes in new, new lives. We are supposed to be, as the church today, heirs to that promise that Jesus would come, that he would restore our way back to the Father, and that us getting Jesus in our life would put us back on a path that Adam and Eve uh, were doing before they sinned. We're trying to get back to where we have relationship with God that's done on obedience. What's interesting is we have Jesus available, a society that knows about him. The cross, Christmas, and Mother's Day are known around the world. Easter, Mother's Day, Christmas, we, we celebrate everything about, about God, and then we reject actually doing anything about God. So we know more about the Bible because they're more available than ever. We, we have Christianity available on podcasts like us. you got streaming. Christianity's out there. And we just have to come down and decide, are we going to be an Easter people or not? Are we going to be heirs to that fulfilled promise? And it comes down just basically to our free will. Will we be Adam and Eve before the fall? Mm. Or will we be Adam and Eve standing at the tree and take the fruit? That fruit will look different to each of us. But we stand there, all of us, we stand there with a choice again. Because when Adam and Eve fell, everybody was going to hell. But when Jesus came... John, let me give you John 3.16. I always give John 3.16. I love it because everybody knows the verse, but John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who, whoever believes in him should not perish. In other words, we're all going to perish, but whoever believes in him can stop the perishing. So before the fall, we were all saved, walking with Jesus in the garden, walking with God in the garden, you know, let us, and they just hung out. Everybody was good. Then the fall caused the separation, and, and, and we're all separated. We're all caught in that sin. But Jesus at the cross gave us a pathway back to before the fall. By, by giving our lives to him, we can get back into an everlasting relationship with God. And it says God did not send his son to condemn the world, but he sent it to rescue us. He's our remnant rescuer. And so if you take that text in mind, we all stand here today on the other side of the cross, on the other side of the empty grave, we all stand here as, again, Easter people, able to fulfill that promise, and we are now standing at the tree again, and now with free will, we get to choose again whether we're gonna choose to get back on the path of God or whether we're gonna stay on the path that, that Eve and Adam took when they rejected God. Mm -hmm. That choice stands before all of us. Everybody listen. I mean, we can blame Mike and the people of Israel. We can blame other people for the failure of Christianity. But the only thing we can't blame for people is what we do, what we choose to do ourselves. Are we going to be a part of that? Right. And what Mike is saying is stand clear, people. Yeah, people get to choose, but the remnant will make it. Will you stand clear and be the remnant? Will you be the people that God in the last days says, that was my man or woman that didn't bow her knee, didn't kiss the idol, didn't bow to social media pressure? Will you be the person that trusted in me and obeyed my commands? And if so, I'll be there to rescue you. It comes down to a choice. And nobody, we, we, I know a lot of us want to let other people make that choice for us. And you can choose. One of your free will choices can be, I'll just follow the crowd and go off the cliff. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of people following the crowd and going off the cliff. Well, then you can blame someone else. I think a lot of people get led astray. People tell them stuff and they go right off the cliff behind them. 
And, and we go, oh, that's terrible. They let them astray. And the leaders will be held accountable. Mm-hmm. The Bible says it will be harder on them. He, ver, remember, cycle two, he just chewed out the leaders. But he still came back at the end and said, all of you are guilty because you didn't have to follow the ungodly leader. Well, I think that's why Jesus is not coming back until the, the message is preached to all ends of the earth because no one can say, I didn't know. Absolutely. I didn't know. No, I, every, yeah, everybody can know. I mean, and what's cool is, is the Bible and, and streams are available everywhere. You can be in the, you can be the deepest woods of an African village and they've got a cell phone, which can link up to our servers. That's Maybe crazy. they didn't stream up, but they, they watch our service. They, Donnie, you know that, don't you? People get online with us. I That's mean, crazy. they get online and, and maybe they only have 10 minutes of battery power or whatever, but, they, but they'll, they'll actually spawn and say, Hey, way to go with the service, Pastor Troy, mm-hmm. you know? People are able to see this in the remotest places of the planet today because the streams of God are flowing everywhere right now. I mean, just like it says, we talked about in the Bible the other day, how, how that, that the there'll be a streaming from Jerusalem. You know, I mean, you know, maybe that streaming is live streaming, not the stream is in waters. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if it's live streaming in the water of life, then, then, then there's some connection there. But um, let, let me wrap up with this. Can, can we see, can you see, I mean, there's negative here, but there's huge positive. Can't we see that the world is broken? The world's been broken mm-hmm. since Adam and Eve oh, certainly. chose themselves over God. And we can see that the world's full of sin. It was full of sin then. It's, it's full of sin now. And now we've got a 23rd gender identity. So we just add another layer. It's like, we're like a, and when we went to Italy and uh, did a cooking thing years ago, uh, they, they're famous for having these like, 47 layer cakes. They're not like big layers. They're real thin layers and they build it and they put this cream, the 47, they do it also in Thailand. I see it sometimes like a 57 layer cake. And it's, it's like, it would be like having lots of little uh, crepes, or crepes, or, cre- yeah, crepes built on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like the 23rd gender is just another crepe thrown on. Let's put a little, let's put a little, little icing on top of it. It'll go down sweeter that way. But you know, <laughs> crepe and crap. We, we, we just add another layer of, of stuff on it. You know, God's going to hold us responsible for how we handle that. It's not new. What they're doing is not new. No. It's been happening since the serpent slivered up and talked Eve into choosing her way over God's way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jesus said in John 14, uh, six, I think I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the father except by me. He gave us another way. John three sixteen. he bought it with, with the God bought it with the life of his son. And, you know, Romans tells us that whoever believes in him, Romans 10, 9, and confesses him can get out of it. We can, we can become remnant by our own action because of the gift of Jesus Christ. That's what Micah is so great about in 5, 2, where it promises a redeemer that would come that would get us through it. I, I just love that. So I, I guess you have to ask the question, if the world is really broken, and I believe the world is terribly broken, you know, it, it is. Um, I mean, can you imagine if the world's broken like it is and it is? Can you imagine how God feels about that? He gave his son to try to fix it. Yeah. He gave his son. I want you to think about this church. He gave his son to give all of us a lifeline out and still people will reject the lifeline. They rejected Micah's call. They're going to reject Jesus call. They're going to reject pastor Troy's call. They're going to reject some pastor in the future's call because we have free will and people will still reject it and go their own way. And, in the end, what the Bible says, I'll bring this text up to you. It's a very interesting text. Matthew 12, 31 through 32 says that, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except for the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. I have that in red because Jesus said it himself. 
against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. And anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in this world to come. You can disagree or not agree or not want to accept what Jesus said. That doesn't send you to hell. But by the end of your life, if you reject the gift of the Holy Spirit that he gave to save you, and you never make a change in your own spirit to let the Holy Spirit take over, what can't be forgiven is the rejection of the spirit that Jesus died to give us. If you go your whole life and refuse to be saved, it is the ultimate blasphemy because it means John 3.16, you rejected it. And you rejected the only way out and that can't be forgiven. So in other words, God won't force you to be saved if you choose not to be saved. And that's the only thing that he can't stop is the blasphemy. In other words, the free will is yours. And the blasphemy is never exercising your free will to the glory of God. If you never exercise your free will to the glory of God, you in essence waste the blood of Jesus Christ that was given for your life. Mm -hmm. It's your right to do so. You have a right, you have a right to, to not be saved because he died to give us right. So you have a right to not. That's the, that's the joy about loving God. But don't you think it just breaks God's heart to know that he loves you, he's your father, he has a destiny and a purpose for you, and that you may choose never to achieve that destiny. Any parent out there, you want great for your kids. If you're any kind of parent of any course, you want them to exceed you, do better than you, you want them to have a great life. Don't you know how much God wants to see us have what, what he desired for us? And when we reject that, I mean, some people ask, does God really care? You know, I, I think God cares greatly. I think God cares enough to give us warning after warning after warning after warning to send us his own son, to offer him to death. And, and you know, we have to ask the question is, will we be a part of a promised hope or will we be a part of a promised destruction? That It's not that God doesn't care. God cares so much he gave his only son. The question is, what will we do with that opportunity? We can choose promised hope or we can choose no way, promise destruction. We can be an Easter people, or we can be a blasphemer. And we have a lot of blasphemy happening right now. And we as Christians have got to stand for God on that, stay on the rock, watch out for the sinking sand, and we have got to try to rescue as many that are willing to come over to the rock as they can. But you can't pull somebody up on the rock that doesn't want to stand. Mm -hmm. You just can't save people that don't want to be saved because they're choosing blasphemy of the Holy Spirit over the glory of God. That's what makes it unpardonable. It's a crazy thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So that's where Malachi is. The promise of Malachi is, is, is that, that it's our choice. You can be in the groupies or you can be in the remnant. That was true in Micah's time. It's gonna be true in our time. And that's how God's gonna judge us at the end time is are we a part of that special covenant? You and I as Christians today that are that are not Hebrews, we get grafted into that promise, but we're grafted in with full rights into that promise. So we become part of those chosen people and we get to decide whether we'll be a part or not. And that's what it all comes down to. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, you don't have to, but God wants you to. Does not have to perish, but can have everlasting life. Isn't that amazing? You guys got any thoughts? Uh, we're going to come back in, in part eight and, and just do a wrap up conversation on this. But I mean, just to think God judges us harshly in Micah and he carries it out before. I mean, Micah's years before it happens, but everything he says about the destruction will happen and everything about the remnant and their restoration happened, including the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. God 
is batting a thousand. How are we doing? I think everybody needs to look at that for themselves. And if you haven't looked at God lately, ask yourself, I guess let me go back to that one question. I think that, I think that would be a good question. Are we going to be an Easter people? And are we going to be heirs to that promise? So I hope you'll come back. We're going to have a big discussion. All we're going to do is have a summary and a discussion in part eight. I don't want you to miss it. We want you to get on the different things and we'll wrap up in part eight on that. And then we'll get these ladies and involved here and we'll just have some real discussion. Hopefully help you out with that. Go to onthedoc.org, find our different platforms and media sites, info at onthedoc.org is our email site. And you can watch us at any of our three major viewing platforms and our auxiliary platforms. We'd love to hear from you on our social media partners. Check those out. You can find those links there, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, and Getter. We'd love to hear from you and always connect with our community through subscribe, like, and notify and share it with other people. We sure glad to have you with us on this broadcast. And if you don't have a church home, we'd love to see you at Community Faith Church. 10 o'clock on Sundays, we have great worship service. Wednesdays, 630, great Bible studies. Go to coftv.com to find out all the details. And you can also link and watch us online through all of our viewing platforms. We hope you enjoy this and come back and join us in part eight. We're going to have a free-for-all discussion after we eat Jimmy John's and a few donuts. We should be hyped up and ready to go. Lord bless you soon. We'll see you soon. I'm Pastor Troy with Donna Kranuski, Beth Benito, Mother Beth, and Lucas Winkler all signing off from on the dock. We love you, and we want you to get out there and be an Easter people with us. Make a good choice for God, and we'll see you soon again on the dock with Pastor